Hi, and welcome to The Thriving Entrepreneur. She's Rochelle Learling. And he's David Foster. Now, we know, dear listener, that you are completely on top of everything. Completely in control, no worries, no problems. We're really talking to other founders and entrepreneurs who, you know, have a tendency to be busy all the time and describe themselves as busy all the time. And that may not be such a good thing. And while you have everything under control, you know, you might be able to pick up a few things for those times where you might feel a little bit busy. And look, being busy, crazy busy, not being able to take a breath, not being able to take vacation, not being able to deal with your inbox or anything like that is a badge of honor in today's culture. And that's even more true in the startup space or for entrepreneurs and founders. And the truth is, being busy is a huge addiction and it's not something that really serves us in, in business. And so that's what we want to tackle today. What say you, Rochelle? <laughs> yeah, so true. It's not worth it being busy. And I, I love to dive into this topic because it's something that you hear all the time, right? It's like you ask somebody, how are you? And it's like, oh, I'm busy. Yeah. Okay. Is busy now a good thing all of a sudden, like rushing around being with your head everywhere and just not being able to sleep well. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy to discuss this topic. And I would say that's really, really important to distill what you're trying to achieve with your time rather than just filling it up and losing time, headspace and energy all over things that yeah, are not worth it. So yeah, let's get started. I think it's important to figure out what we're talking about when we say busy. We don't mean like fully engaged. We mean not being able to take everything from a small daily break or breaks during the day to not being able to go on vacation, to choosing business demand or feel like you have to choose business demand over your own health, your own eating, your family, your friends, other things that are important to you. And I'm going to say that this goes all the way to you know, humble bragging about not sleeping and not being able to do these things. Like it would be nice to be able to watch television or the really psychotically twisted version. I'm so thankful that I don't have time to fill in the blank. I'm so thankful for being busy. That's what I see on my side of what we're talking about being so busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would sum it up the same way, but it's Definitely the overloaded schedules, just packed days where I get on a call with somebody and they're like, oh, you're my seventh call of the day. I'm like seventh call. It's only like, what, like 12 or something. It's at back-to-back meetings where there's no room for, for thinking. And we talked about this earlier, like thinking time, just to kind of go over what happened, make real decisions that are based on something useful, but also just having your lunch break and not having that overrun with another meeting. I think also what I would include is just constantly checking your devices. So either whether that's email mm -hmm. or notifications on LinkedIn or wherever, it's like constantly being like engaged in all these different like notifications going on. And yeah, it's very much neglecting that self-care, whether that is vacation or it's just being able to go to the gym a couple times a week. And when we talk about this, like something comes up for me that I think a lot of listeners are like, oh, I know this stuff. I know being busy is not a good thing. And yeah, I know I am pretty busy and my schedule is packed, but somehow it's really not like sinking in why it's so important to stop doing that and stop chasing that, that high of always being on. So yeah, what, what is really so toxic about it? Well, I think it's the addictive part. Mm. 
And obviously that's what we're, we want to talk about here is that not only does the culture support it, somehow that person who you and I both talk to, <laughs> who says, this is the seventh call of the day, like you mentioned, or, you know, I'm sorry, I can, I can talk to you. I just have to get my toddler in the car and I've told him to be quiet while we talk. And I'm thinking, my God, what is more important in life? You having these precious moments with your own offspring or this thing that we have to talk about, which, you know, may be important for work, but it's not as important as being a parent to your toddler. Hmm. And why is it such a good thing that it was a seventh call? Like, it's almost as if somebody says, well, you're my seventh call today. It, it's almost as if the other person should say, oh, you've only had seven calls. You're my ninth. <laughs> like, like, why is that a good thing? Yeah. Right. And even if people understand it's not a good thing, it's like, I'm rushing through the day and I'm also rushed by talking to you and I'm not sure if I have the headspace for it. Right. And in, in my mind, the addiction piece of this type of sympathetic overdrive and distraction virtually explains all of it. Well, no, there's another big piece of it. But the idea that it makes us feel alive to be needed and feel necessary and what somebody is saying when they say it's the seventh call of the day is I'm so important. There are people lined up to talk to me. And somehow if you were their first call of the day or their only call of the day, they're somehow not worthy. They're not a good person. They're not taking part in culture in as good a way than if they had seven calls. And I think that is the addiction because we know that that's not true. Yeah. Or it can be that if you have those amounts of calls a day, apart from just looking busy and that's a good thing, you actually show how involved you are with your business. And I guess that's a whole other topic, but it shows the importance of you taking care of your business, being the center of attention, being needed. And that's also part of the addiction that if you are busy, you must be involved and being involved looks really good on the outside. Whereas on the inside, as in internally, the business is actually not running smoothly because of that. But the busyness is kind of like, I am managing it all. And as long as I'm busy, it looks like I'm trying to fix everything. I'm being Superman here. And yeah, as you say, it's an addiction because it's not only there, it's not only work. It's actually a thing that just kind of like spreads into personal life too. You know, does it really look good? Not to me. And I don't think that, you know, in some ways I sort of agree with I believe it's Tim Ferriss who has says this repeatedly that, you know, having a really busy schedule only indicates that you're bad at time management. And I think that that is true. And, you know, when I try to help people and say, well, why are you doing this? What's important about what you're doing? You know, what impact does it have? How much cost does it entail? There's always a justification that keeps that addiction going. But when the question becomes, why are you choosing to take this call or extend it or do this thing and ignore your own like real like bodily functions to go to the bathroom or ignore your own family or ignore your own hunger or ignore your own tiredness? Like what is happening there? Are you saying that without proper nourishment, rest and headspace? 
that the business necessarily needs this thing to happen again for the 14th time before lunch, that's an addiction. Yes, there are situations where you need to act. Just had one not so long ago where I was completely dead on the couch with a massive case of flu, felt like I couldn't move. My daughter was in a car accident and called me. 60 seconds later, I'm out the door. I ignored my own health to go help her. But if I ignore my own health to review the third quarter results with the person who couldn't make the meeting and just wants to talk about it, is that a good thing? I, I would argue no. I would argue that's feeding the addiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that goes for so many things. You're, you're going to crash. It's going to hurt you. It's going to come back to you mm -hmm. as a boomerang. And also when something does go really wrong, as in like an accident, as you say, or uh, something unexpectedly happens, you don't even have the room, let's say time, energy, or headspace to help out or to be in that situation where you can solve the issue at hand because you don't have that space. That's an absolutely great point that you need that type of, let's call it reserve capacity mm -hmm. to take advantage of when the situation demands. And if you're always running on empty because you, quote unquote, just need this, or even worse, she just needs it, what are you going to do when the, the real shit hits the fan? Exactly. Yeah. And that's not part of your role either as a leader, as a founder. Like your role is not to be kind of like fully operational and into the weeds of everything. You're there to have that thinking time, that headspace, that strategic thinking, to actually make the decisions that move that needle forward. And if you don't have that space within your calendar and your day-to-day, -day, your week-to-week, then what are you focusing on really? And that's probably the answer, being busy with being busy. Yes. And I almost want to go through the side door on this because I've never worked with anyone or advised a founder or entrepreneur where they don't have solid logical reasoning for doing the nth thing, even though they have all these bad effects from constantly doing the nth thing. I want to go through the side door and say, look, let's look at the behavior writ large and see how it really is a true addiction. And just like any kind of addiction, whether it's exercise or alcohol, there are reasons behind it. And Brene Brown said, if we stay busy enough, something like we think the truth of our lives will never come through. And so I'm not saying that that's the explanation for every single person that I've talked to or during the time where I was, I stayed busy in such an unhealthy way that it, it really drove me into the ground. But it's got to be something like that because making decisions behaving, trying to lead people when you're completely strung out is not about that decision. Well, it's not about that decision 99 times out of 100. It's about something else that compels you to do it. It is a true addiction and you have to treat it like a true addiction because otherwise this thing that you're putting so much energy into has a very low probability of working out well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I love this quote by Brene Brown and Indeed, if we take away and we strip away all the busyness that's not meant to be in your calendar or in your head or in your time, then I guess 20% of what you're doing is actually actually helping and is pretty important to the business. Mm -hmm. Then the other 80% that you have left, that should be spent on those bigger decisions that probably take up more time to think about, as we talked about in our early episodes. You'd probably need more time to think things through before you actually make a decision or something unexpectedly happens. But if we don't 
take that headspace, then we're actually hiding from the bigger things that we should be tackling. And whether that is personal or business related, obviously, but it can be that by being so busy with tedious little things and meetings and all that, we are hiding from making the big decisions that are very difficult to make or difficult conversations that we should have as well. And that's just hiding from, yeah, I guess the elephant in the room. That's part and role of you being a a founder and a leader. You know, one way to be able to see this invisible elephant in the room is something that I've Something that I've said more than once, let's say you have the big meeting and whoever, Rochelle is responsible for the presentation at this big meeting. And, you know, this big meeting is all sorts of seriousness and there's a movie score written to it and there's all sorts of predictions about what's going to happen if the meeting doesn't go well. And Rochelle, you come with the presentation and it's a perfect PowerPoint, keynote, PDF, whatever it is, and everyone loves it. The client loves it. The investor loves it. Whatever happens goes really well. And I go up to you and say, that was amazing. Like that was such a great job. And you say, you know, I had this idea and I spent all night working on it. I really haven't slept. I was just able to take a cold shower and put on some fresh clothes and I'm glad it worked out well. We have heard different versions of that story hundreds and hundreds of times. And when I talk to people about that story, they say, yeah, you know, sometimes you have to stay up and good for Rochelle for doing that and whatnot. But the thought experiment is I go up to you and I say, you knocked it out of the park. That was a great presentation. The company is saved. Dogs and cats dancing in the street together. Everything's wonderful. And you say, yeah, you know, I actually, I totally forgot that we had this meeting and I just put it together in 10 minutes before I walked in. Yeah. And to see the look on people's face when you say that second piece, somehow it's not as valuable. No. The critical observation, the product development, the whatever it is, like that has to take hours and toil and blood, sweat and tears. But if somebody can come up with it in 30 seconds, somehow it's not as valuable. And that little framework, I think, in my mind, exposes the addiction of... I need to stay busy. Mm, I love this one because it actually shows that it seems that if we put in more effort and we go the extra mile, like beyond normal extra miles, then it must be worth it. And it's pretty, pretty valuable. Whereas as you said, the 10 minutes beforehand, it seems like you just like did something just to kind of like cover up that you didn't have the time for it. And it's sad that we still value that first version more. And the question is why? Do we need to like, yeah, put ourselves into really random positions and and do things in a very toxic way in order to be good at what we do, be valued, be important? And I guess it all comes down to also how much we attach to our business success and the work we put in. If we are busy, if we work hard, then the result must also be there, right? Or If I work hard, then I look good because that means that I really, really care about this and other people don't do that as much. I agree with you. And my version of an answer to why we value the all-nighter versus the 10-minute thing, even if the 10-minute thing is better, Mm -hmm. why we value the all-nighter is largely cultural. It's the devil makes work for idle hands. It's redemption through suffering. It's that whole idea of, you know, I must throw myself in front of the train to make progress. 
every day, all day long. And I may have mentioned this previously in this podcast, but it's an addiction and it needs to be treated as an addiction. And I think that one way that I found that has been really helpful for people is considering effective dose, right? I can't remember the exact phrase, but you know, the poison is defined by how much the dose is. And so, you know, the hard work of being an entrepreneur, the hard work of being a founder, of leading a company is not staying up all night and it's not getting divorced and not knowing your kids and losing touch with your friends and having really crappy health. The hard work is to try to figure out what to spend your time on Mm -hmm. and how much of it to spend your time on. If you can convince Mrs. Big during the meeting to make the investment, to buy the package, to join the team, whatever it is, with a presentation that only takes 10 minutes, do it. And don't spend a minute more on that. Love that. And I guess something I also want to address regarding like the use of looking busy. What I hear is that, especially leaders with a team, they feel guilty if they weren't so busy. So if they were to strip away all the work Mm -hmm. they're doing, that's kind of tedious and shouldn't be on their plate and should be outsourced. They feel guilty for having extra time. Why would they not Mm -hmm. spend this extra day at the office? Why would they not attend this meeting and just kind of like not show up anymore and say no? Then they look lazy and that kind of gives them an idea of a bad example towards the team of not working hard enough to make this happen. And this actually, the equation is made of being busy makes equals commitments. And that's just the wrong equation in my opinion. You know, I think you bring up a really good point because there is that guilt. Mm. There is for some reason almost like a cultural guilt that if I can do something in 10 minutes that's really valuable, I should feel guilty because somehow I'm stealing or things are wrong or the universe is out to get me and I have to pay for this in some way. But let's say that you're the leader and you don't spend an inordinate amount of time at the office. Maybe that can be an example to the people around you that they should be, you know, if, if we look at Pareto's principle of the 80-20 rule where, you know, 20% of what you do has 80% of the benefit, you can be a leader and help people figure out what 20% they should be doing to get the 80%. We're never going to get the actual 20%. But even if we got, even if that 20% were in 40% of our efforts, we're going to be better off. The company is going to be better off. Everyone's going to make more money. Everyone's going to have more time as long as you don't have the addiction Mm -hmm. of throwing yourself in front of the train at every chance, no matter how good it feels temporarily. Yeah. So then the question is, how do you treat this addiction? I'm going to go back to our old friend of (laughs) self-awareness. And I'm also going to throw in the hopefully, uh, I'm also going to throw in the potential habit, hopefully, of asking people who are going to give you a straight answer. Go to your spouse and see how good of a job you're doing being a husband or a wife. If your kids are old enough, ask them. Sit down with one of your friends and say, how am I doing? What does this look like? And then also examine the people that you work with. Are they exhibiting these traits? Are they being ineffective because they're spending too much time And are they developing a similar addiction? Those are my first thoughts. And that's how I've 
helped people in the past. How do you treat it? I think you have to kind of be fed up with this addiction too. And I think most people are actually, they're frustrated with being so busy that they cannot do or see or go to ABC. I think that's part one where you're kind of like, this no longer serves me. And then being really mm -hmm. honest with, okay, so if I look at my schedule, as you say, Pareto, 80-20, what am I actually doing mm -hmm. that moves the needle? And then kind of like cross out the ones that are, like just kind of highlight them. These are the things that really move the needle. Am I supposed to be involved in this? And then kind of like read out everything that's something that you should not be involved in. And then kind of like do that exercise. I would say color picking that or something. Kind of figure out like the top three, four priorities in your week, in your month. And then see what's also missing and what you could or should take in or leave in or leave out and kind of like redo that schedule. And I guess that you'll find out that there's a lot of things that are to be called busy work, including the notifications. Like if you really, really care about end result for your business and you don't want to be caught up in like 10, 12 hour workdays, then what do you need to do to get yourself to that focus point where you're actually moving the needle with like as little work as possible? As you say, like 10 minutes, sure, make it 10 minutes. We can be lazy if we need to be. Like why, why cannot we? And I would say, I just wrote down, maybe it's a really cool challenge to do this. Like maybe after listening to this episode, look at your schedule for next week and just kind of delete everything and cancel everything that's really not worth your time and makes you look busy and is part of that addiction. And just kind of, Feel the emptiness of not being busy. Feel the uncomfortableness of just like not knowing what to do with your time and then see what happens. See what you actually feel that time with. And that might actually be the answer to a lot of questions that challenges that are not solved in the business. Like really good thinking time, for instance. I, I think that's a great little challenge. The piece that I would add is to measure. Mm. Like, yes, feel like 100%, like, like, hey, Challenge yourself that for four days in a row, you will leave the office, even if it happens to be your spare bedroom, at pick a time. Pick a time that you don't normally leave and shut the door and you don't bring anything with you. You don't bring your iPad, which has got LinkedIn on it or anything like that. And yes, feel, but do it enough so that you can measure, does this have any impact on my business? Mm -hmm. And allow for the possibility that it would have a positive impact. What if you didn't carry that heavy bag, which is really just a metaphor, <laughs> to and from work every day? What if you just left it at work? My God, what would everybody say? I don't know, maybe they'd say you're not bad at time management. Maybe they'd say you're effective. Maybe they'd say, hey, I'm happy that you're listening to me. Mm. Maybe they'd say, I'm glad you have time to do this with me because I feel like I haven't been able to talk to you in years. Mm. And maybe when you get back to the office the next day, you'll have a fresh perspective and you won't have that, oh, no rest for the weary kind of bullshit thing going on. Mm -hmm. And another idea, if you're into journaling, this might be a very interesting one to journal on. Like, what am I afraid of if I'm not busy? Mm -hmm. And if you want to go there, am I afraid of being lazy? And what does that matter? Last week, I said to somebody that I'm working with who was struggling with something similar to answer the question in writing for nobody else's consumption but their own, who would I be without this? Mm. And the look on this person's face, who I will not even identify their gender of, the look on this person's face was virtually being stunned. Let's say 
you don't bring work home, you show up at this certain time, I'm not even going to go to, you know, what people think is a reasonable time or unreasonable time, and that you don't have an, a work agenda that you, quote unquote, just have to catch up on after the kids go to sleep or, you know, while she's making dinner or he's cleaning up or whatever. That was a big challenge. Mm -hmm. That was a really, really big challenge. And it's treating what we're talking about as an addiction because it actually is. We chemically get addicted to that sympathetic overdrive and the cortisol and the dopamine. Pull yourself away from that as best you can, you know, using these little challenges or these little questions because there is no other way. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that's not true. One other way that it happens is you completely crack. Sure. Physically, sure. mentally, emotionally, or financially. We don't want to go there. That's the thing. Like people think they need to get to that point before anything should change. And and that's really not worth it. Because then if that happens, like apart from not being that partner at home, you're not even able to bring the business to the next phase. So what was being busy so important for? Right. All right. What are we going to leave people with here today? The journal, the questions. Calendar check. Considering effective doses. Yeah. I would say like, look at your calendar. Just look at it and see if you're being busy. And mm. if you are being busy, like take it out. And if being busy means just being on notifications and emails and all that stuff, then make that commitment with yourself. What do you want to be? Do you want to be busy? Do you want to be effective? Do you want to be successful? Is it serving you or not? Simple as that. Yeah, that's a great, that's a, that's a really good, great question to end on. <laughs> do you want to be busy or do you want to be successful? Well, we want to thank everybody again for listening. Keep your comments and suggestions coming in and we will talk to you next time. Yes. Talk later. Thank you for listening. If you're an accomplished founder in a leadership position and want experience, guidance and support, contact David on davidafoster.com. And if you're an entrepreneur with a team who wants to be more in control of your business and your life and want to explore coaching, contact Rochelle on growtribute.com. You can find links to contact us in the show notes of every episode. We appreciate your listening.